0: Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with
1: editor in chief Amy Newmark. Hey everyone, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul. And today we have a special guest for Friend Friday, Lisa Marshall, who has become a real expert on Alzheimer's and dementia, and especially early onset Alzheimer's. Lisa, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Thank you so much Amy thanks for your invite. So, we met Lisa because she contributed a story to Chicken Soup for the Soul Navigating Elder Care and Dementia and she's also a friend of Kristen Cusato who's been a friend of Chicken Soup for the Soul for the past 7 or 8 years and we've done a lot of stuff for the Alzheimer's community together and actually did a book back in 2014 called Living with Alzheimer's and Other Dementias. So anyway, Lisa, you'll see her story in the book as L.B. Marshall, and in the book, she shares the Alzheimer's journey that she and her husband are navigating, and she does that in an effort to create awareness and provide support for other caregivers. Lisa's husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2018 when he was only 53 years old, and she's working on a book about the progression of the disease. I don't know if you've started the book or you're just planning the book, Lisa. Yeah. Planning the book,
0: you know, notes have been written and there's a folder. So it's it's started, but nothing,
1: nothing formal yet. So I feel like I'm hearing more and more about early onset Alzheimer's, but I don't know if I'm just more aware of it or if people are being diagnosed earlier. What is going on with this? I don't know. It just feels to me like I'm seeing it a lot. And my, my father's in a, he's in an assisted living for memory. And A lot of the men there are only in their 60s. My father is 92. I think he might be the oldest man there. Right. And I think the opposite is happening, that we're having
0: to find memory care facilities for our younger onset spouses, and they're the youngest ones in the facility, So I I don't know if the numbers are increasing. I do know that the awareness is increasing and I too am hearing a lot more about it as it continues to bubble up and, and people are diagnosed correctly instead of many times I hear that these younger cases are misdiagnosed with depression or, or something else. So it definitely, awareness is definitely heightened.
1: Yeah. So how did you and Peter figure it out and get his diagnosis? Well, it was a long, long
0: road. And the first, I would say, four to possibly even five years, I was noticing changes in Peter and was in extreme denial. I did not want anything to be wrong with my Prince Charming, of course, and just kind of brushed it off as we're getting older. You walk into a room, you forget why you walked in there. You know, I know I've done that. You forget your phone, your wallet, your keys, or something as you're walking out the door. Oftentimes, Peter would get to work and call me then on the landline and say, I forgot my phone. Can you look for it? Or is my wallet in the drawer? So things like that started happening. And then it quickly, over those four or five years, changed to he would forget events that happened in his younger days and then the most alarming thing was the word deficit where he would describe a word that he couldn't remember. So I often use the example of the airplane when he would say, we're heading for a trip one time and and Peter said, you know, the thing that we get on and we take our luggage and we go in the sky. And so simple words were, were becoming a struggle for him.
1: Wow. So, that's scary.
0: Yeah. yeah. Very scary. So finally, I... You know, I had my little secret to myself, but when friends and family members started making comments and saying, What's going on with Peter? I decided February 14th, 2017, I took him to his primary care physician. And that's what started the ball rolling.
1: Wow, that is really something. So what is your daily life like now? I guess he's three years farther into the disease since you got the diagnosis. So you're doing Something very admirable and keeping him at home. I couldn't do that with my father. Like he had to go live somewhere because I couldn't provide him with enough health care because he's frail and elderly, as well as sure. having dementia. But what is your daily life like?
0: And, you know, right now, whether it's admirable or not, it's just that we can do this right now. And I am strong enough to do this right now. But I also need to be very clear with myself that there may be a time when even if i want to keep him home he could get better care by a staff of people rather than just me so i need to keep that at the
1: forefront too as i change my decisions moving forward i actually totally agree with you like when my father when we moved him into assisted living it was so the right decision and we have so many chicken soup for the soul stories Including in this new book about navigating elder care and dementia, where people said, I put it off and then I moved my loved one into a facility and my loved one had a social life and was enjoying it and told me how great it was. And I realized how wonderful the care was. And I know where I have my father, there's men there who are in their 60s who have early onset, but it is the most wonderful facility where the staff acts like it's a huge privilege to get to know our relatives. I mean, they are delighted to spend eight hours a day with our spouses or our parents or our siblings, it's it's really nice. I feel very comfortable that he's having a great life there. Yep. I found that
0: same thing when I started to do my due diligence with touring facilities. I knew that I had to do it. I was adamant about my plan A is to keep him home, but I always want to be proactive and always have a plan B. So I toured eight different facilities to try to just get the flavor, take a temperature and see what this was all about. And that's when I had this epiphany that, oh my gosh, look at all these people who care for this one person. You know, somebody's taking care of the medication and the personal care, and somebody's doing the laundry, and somebody's doing the cooking, and somebody's doing the tucking in. And, you know, there's like a staff of people, and then they get rejuvenated because they're working eight or 10 or 12 hour shifts, but they go home. Here, it's me doing all of those jobs. So I do need to be very mindful of that, that Peter is getting the care that he deserves.
1: So how do you incorporate self-care into your daily schedule? Because I know you're a very thoughtful person and and you have thought about that a lot. And I think some of our listeners need a role model for how you incorporate self-care into your life when you are a family caregiver. I've been really relentless
0: about this. Once I learned that I needed to care for myself so that I could care for Peter in the best way that I can. And it's true. Even when I leave for, let's say, a three-hour period, I thought I was very patient when I left, but when I get back, I'm so much more patient. And I know that the quality of the care that he's receiving from me, just because I've had three hours to not follow him around and make sure that he's safe and button his shorts and you know fidget with this. And you know it's just, you asked earlier, what's a day like? it's like having a toddler, but almost less cognitively aware. So you're following him around to make sure that he's safe and he's got things that he's fidgeting with. He needs you know, help with all, all personal care and dressing and showering, all of those things. So you're just as a caregiver on all the time. Even at night, they're going to get up during the night. Most people do get up during the night. You hear them. You can't go back to sleep after you tuck them back in because they wake up disoriented. So it's just constant, constant struggle. Mm -hmm. It's extremely important to take care of yourself. If you can't afford to hire someone, ask a neighbor, ask a friend, ask a sibling, ask someone to come and just sit with your loved one for a little while.
1: Yeah, it really is important. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to be back with Lisa to talk about love and romance and her very wonderful second wedding to Peter. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back and Lisa Marshall and I are talking about her husband, Peter, who has early onset Alzheimer's and she wrote about it for our book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia. And- I wanted to talk to you about two things in the second half of this episode. First, if you could share some tips for family caregivers based on your own experiences. And then secondly, I really want to talk about the very romantic thing that Peter did.
0: Certainly. So I think number one is that you need to respect your loved one where they are and really just meet them in whatever reality they are experiencing. So I wrote about in the book... Reflection Ralph. And we, I named him Reflection Ralph because, I don't know, it was catchy. But Peter does not recognize himself in the mirror. And so when it first happened and I noticed that he was talking to himself in the mirror, I did the very worst thing I could do, which was argue with Peter. And I said, no, 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 that's you. That's you in the mirror. And immediately realized that he was saying, no, that's not me because Peter feels he's a much younger person than the reflection looking back at him, which is an older man. So, Never argue, just wherever they're at, that's where you meet them. And yep, oh, hey, Ralph, nice to meet you. And because you don't want to scare them or you don't want to argue with them because things will escalate. And what's the point in just agreeing and redirecting or just distracting in some other way?
1: Well, that alternate reality where you go and you join him happened in a big way mm. when he proposed to you.
0: Yes. We reached a point where Peter no longer realized my label, I call it. He didn't know that I was his wife. He didn't know my name, but he does know that he trusts me. I'm his safe person. So I'm the person that he looks for. If I walk out of the room, he's going to follow and see where, and you will hear him say, where is she? So I am she. So one night we were watching an episode of new girl and there was a wedding and I was crying because I was emotional about the wedding and he was laughing at me and he pointed to the TV and said, let's do it. And I said, what do I, and he pointed again, he goes, let's do it. And I said, do you want to get married? And he said, yes. I said, are you asking me to marry you? And he had this huge grin on his face and he was just like a little sheepish boy. And I grabbed my phone really quickly to start recording because I knew it was going to be special. And he got very, very timid and I could tell that he was, you know, the wheels were turning and he said, do you like me? Almost like he had to muster up the courage to ask me because he wasn't sure what I was going to say. It was adorable. And so, of course, I said yes. And then we did renew our vows
1: in April. That's so cool. And you got national media coverage for it. I saw that. (laughs) Yes. What a great way to, you know, create awareness for younger
0: onset and the things that can happen, right?
1: Yeah. So I know you're very in demand to speak, you know, at different places and to continue educating everybody. And I so appreciate you having put your story in the book. What are you hearing from people about the book? This episode is running in late August, and I'm talking to you in early August when we're pre-recording, and the book came out in late June. But have you had any feedback about how the book is helping people? Yeah, I have. I think that
0: whole meet them where they are concept is so important. And that's what people are commenting about that. They find that they're arguing too much with their loved one that, you know, whether it be their parent, grandparent, or spouse, and they say, you know what? I tried to just meet them where they are, or just agree with them on whatever it is, whether it's the mirror or something else. And they're finding that their life is a little less chaotic because they're just more patient about things like, yep, yep. That's right. The sky, the moon is blue. Yes, it is. And moving forward rather than being argumentative and then creating a more stressful environment for everyone.
1: I think that's one of the most important things I have learned over the years of working with stories about Alzheimer's and other dementias is that meeting them where they are and not trying to correct them, it makes it so much easier. And there's just no point in trying to correct somebody. I mean, my father told me a couple of months ago that his father, who was in real estate in New York, invented the term garment district. And I'm thinking, <laughs> that is probably not true. I'm almost sure that's not true, even though he was like a realtor in the garment district, you know? Yeah. But I just went with it because I also figure when you just go with it, you might actually get some little pieces of history from your aged parent that are actually true. And I might learn something absolutely and also think about that example if you would
0: have argued with your father you know he may have become combative or he may feel bad about himself but if you if you just agree then they feel more confident about themselves and you know it's a completely different situation when you're when you're agreeing because then they feel more confident i think
1: oh yeah because it's so sad when they realize my father said to me a month or so ago, something that made me feel so bad. He said, I don't have any memories. Mm. And I thought, oh, shoot, you weren't supposed to know that. It was better when mm. he had his fabricated memories, but he's not fabricating memories anymore. He just said, I don't have any memories. I know it's, wow. that was brutal. That really yeah. was. I call those gut punches. <laughs> yeah. You never... yeah, you get those gut punches. It's, it's, oh. You start mourning and grieving all along the way when you hear stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's a Lisa, tough one. I know. It was it was tough. We're all on this very tough journey together. Thank you so much for sharing yours to help other people who are coming up behind us in terms of where they are in the journey. And thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope we'll see your work in the pages of other Chicken Soup for the Soul books going forward. Do you have a website or a contact information that you would like to pass on to our listeners?
0: I do. So I write a blog on Facebook, which is... Oh, hello, Alzheimer's. So you can just search for that on Facebook and find it. It's a, it's a platform I've created to, you know, it's a safe space is what it is for people to learn and for people to share and feel a sense of community when they feel alone and they can't find other resources. So, yep, Facebook, Oh, hello, Alzheimer's.
1: Terrific. Well, thanks again for coming. And Thank you. For, our, sure, for our listeners out there, if you want more information about this important new book, You can visit our website, chickensoup.com, and you'll see the book there. You can read more about it. You can also pick up your own copy of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia at Walmart, Barnes & Noble, your local independent bookstore, Amazon, wherever else you like to get your books. And please come back next time for an episode that is a rerun from the winter. And it's a great episode. It's about how to find the miracles all around you, which is something that I think we're all pretty interested in doing.